Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the About Tribute podcast. This podcast is released every Wednesday, and you can follow it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, Blueberry, everywhere else. Google Play, possibly by the time this airs. Still not sure about that. On today's episode, we are going to be taking a look at a very, very exclusive sneak peek at a short film called The Boogies by Trip Hope and Sanjay Sharma, as well as a SIF 2017 wrap-up. And I am joined in this episode, returning after a while, after an absence, by Dr. Andy. Hello, how's it going? It is going great. Uh, Andy, can you read what is on that paper? Can I read what's on that piece of paper? This one. It says Sat, no, C, Jim. Oh, sorry. Well, you didn't say other that. Other side. Other side. Other side. It says theme song. Got him. That's, that's, wow. <laughs> yeah. You got me. I Good. Sh- I sure uh, what does it say on that sign there, John? Oh, whoops. John didn't turn the on-air sign yep. on, so we've been like constantly <laughs> interrupted by hordes of people. It's yeah. All right. Well, now, now it is on. Thank you. So uh, keep out, people. Yeah, except it is in the inside of the room. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most ridiculous things Andy has. has. Has this not come up before? I think you have brought it up multiple times before. Oh, I, I can't believe I would do that. John has an on-air <laughs> sign inside the room where absolutely nobody uh, but us can see it. Yeah. Why do we do that? Why do we Not do sure. that? Not sure. All right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as I mentioned on this episode, I'm uh, going to be talking about, talking about a bunch of feature-length movies. But first, uh, there is a short film that just recently, as in a couple nights ago, had its world premiere at a film festival in Korea. I believe it is called the Bifan Film Festival in Korea. So right now, I actually had the... Uh, opportunity to interview Trip Hope, one of the producers of this film. So I'm going to throw to that interview right now, and then Dr. Andy and I will be back to talk about this short film. So here's the interview that I did with the producers of the short film, The Boogies. So joining me from around the world, uh, (laughs) welcome to the show, Trip Hope and Sanjay Sharma from the film The Boogies. Thanks so much, Sean. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I think that we're uh, about 16 hours yeah. uh, ahead of us <laughs> right now. So we are too, truly time traveling. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the future now. <laughs> uh, and good morning, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> good, morning. good evening to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the, the film is The Boogies. Uh, this is the exclusive interview uh, with the uh, writer, director, and producer of the film. And the reason that this is happening across the world is tell the people where you guys are right now. So Sanjay was out uh, karaokeing late last night, uh-huh. which of course is one of my <laughs> favorite pastimes of uh, the Koreans. But, but we're actually at the uh, Bushan International Fantastic Film Festival which is the biggest fantastic film fest in Asia. Wow. Uh, They show uh, just shy of 300 films. Sheesh. uh, Which I think this year is including around 80 world premieres. Yeah. And our film is world premiering here. 
And we actually just world premiered uh, yesterday afternoon to wow. a nice large audience and had a fun Q&A. And we were on stage with uh, several uh, famous Korean uh, actors from TV and some movies. Uh, and clearly they were getting lots of attention from the audience. <laughs> right. Great fan. They all came out, you know, to see us after. No, it was good. Yeah. yeah it was great. But we're thrilled to be here. We actually, I mean, we've been at a couple big fests, mm -hmm. but this one in that particular. Was, this, was, this is good. This is good. Yeah, the oh, opening oh, night yeah. of it, they literally celebrate with, with fireworks and pyrotechnics <laughs> and a light show. Uh, they bring in, you know, a lot of major uh, Korean and Asian stars. Yes. The uh, red carpet, I know this might sound ridiculous, but it feels like the red carpet is a half a mile long. Wow. And uh, the, the venue itself is at least as big as the Hollywood Bowl. So uh, it's, it's, it's quite the spectacle, and they really pull out all the stuff. And it's a huge artistic and cultural event for, yeah. for all of Korea, and especially yeah. for the city. City, yes, and it's, you know strongly supported by the city, so that makes it all the more uh, pervasive, mm -hmm. right, in this, yeah. And it's it's also very interesting, you know, to have a hugely supported festival that really focuses on genre oh, yeah. uh, of horror, science fiction, yeah. uh, some fantasy, some, some animation, yeah. mm -hmm. that sort of thing, yeah. but uh, it's definitely a, kind of a specific audience, but... I think their goal is to really uh, expose, you know, the world to these types of films. That is incredible. I, I mean, of course, I follow you guys on social media. And so this is a huge outdoor film festival, which is unique in and of itself. Yes, so, absolutely. Well, yeah, they go have, ahead. Yeah, they have screenings indoors and outdoors. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's uh, – so they, they, have, they do have – you know, many screenings indoors as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, but they also yeah. have an outdoor screening venue. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the outdoor venue is like their big uh, opening and closing events because gotcha. they could possibly fit everybody inside, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the um, like we were saying, the uh, the local government is actually hugely in support of this. Very cool. So the venue is right by their city hall. And, and then there there are two theaters inside the city hall, and and ours premiered uh, at the main theater inside of of the city hall yesterday. But then they have uh, three other uh, uh, theaters that are are cinemas. Mm -hmm. People get to see the movies, right. and, and our movie after yesterday will be in the cinemas playing gotcha. a couple more times right. through the festival. Okay. Now, Trip, you and I have known each other for for a little bit now, and sure. from from what I know of you, there's always a method to your madness. So, <laughs> I would like to, <laughs> I would like to ask both you and Sanjay, what was it about the Bouchon International Fantastic Film Festival in particular that you wanted that to be the world premiere for this film? There's a federation of fantastic fests around around the world and through Europe and Asia. And the biggest one in the United States is Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Sanjay and I, when we had finished the movie, our best opportunities to get into one of these huge, fantastic festivals was uh, Fantasia in Montreal okay. and, uh, and Bifon, which is, is where we are right now. And, uh, you know, we, we did submit to both. And this was the first response that we got. And we're very just thrilled. And this is yeah. our first time for both of us, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. First time. Yeah, for this yeah. particular festival. But when you are attending festivals, there are certain ones where people's <laughs> eyes just light up. Hmm. And I had five different uh, director, filmmaker friends that just said, if you have the opportunity, you right. must go. Wow. And, and I mean, that's, that's uh, the I reason. I heard the same. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of, the, one of the greater festivals um, in the world, really, especially for genre. I was sitting there in the audience, surrounded by all this pop and circumstance, and no kidding, it really feels like the Academy Awards of genre movies. Oh, wow. I mean, it feels like, you know, yeah, it's glamorous. that scale. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is very glamorous. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that was uh, that was kind of humorous to me, at least, is when you're a filmmaker and you come out, I think that they they don't want to uh, insult you in any way. Maybe that's okay. too strong a word, but 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 they want the filmmakers to be comfortable. So they say there is no dress code for this no. opening, <laughs> but the dress code is clearly. Right. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and thank God we really dressed up. Right. But yeah, if we had not, yeah. uh, we would have really stood out. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So yeah. if you had showed up in your finest steampunk regalia, they would have expected a steampunk movie, maybe. Right. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that that would have been a bold choice. <laughs> gotcha. Excellent. Right. Uh, well, one of the things that really impressed me with this film was the world building that there were so many layers to to this film and this film is you know right under 20 the 20 minute mark and so the fact that you guys were able to have this in-depth world in such a short time was really impressive so Sanjay if you could talk a little bit about since you were the writer and director kind of that world building process uh, the same actually that was the first question that was asked uh, last night after the the screening in the Q&A mm. and um, I'm glad I have, you know, that same yeah. wavelength as someone across the world. Well, that's great. And I mean, uh, it, um, it's, a, it's a tribute in the sense that then that was achieved because it's like yeah, you, you did mention the length. It's, 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 it's a task uh, to, uh, to build a world and you have to make it credible. So the fact that it, the, the, the same question is asked is, uh, is rewarding in and in, in, in itself. So the... There are many elements into that go into building a world, and then it's being selective mm-hmm. about which ones will work. And um, there aren't that many shots that you can have to build up your world without dragging on uh, your story. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot, it's it, it's a lot of planning, a lot of planning. Um, you know, and instinct is a huge factor. And then execution is, you know, one of the greatest challenges. So I just took the time, every one of those steps, 
and um, you know, also made the right selection uh, mm-hmm. when I came to working with artists. Mm-hmm. So either selecting the artists or you know, once we were working together, um, and then that, that allowed me to move forward and, um, and, and, and achieve that. But it is, you need the layers. You, you did bring that up, so that, that's also, you know, that's very observant. You need those layers, and, um, and that's what I did. So the synopsis uh, that was in the press release and also on IMDb that one of you guys wrote, uh, potentially. <laughs> uh, so it says, set in a near future where Earth has been turned into a planetary ghetto by an alien species informally called the Boogies. Our story follows Jack Dawkins, a former cop turned pickpocket, as he tracks down a missing child about to be sold to an alien overlord. The encounter will determine the fate of the child's life and Dawkins' redemption from the failures of his past. So visually, since people cannot see it right now, what are some ways that you chose to show that synopsis? In terms of a short, I I tried to reach how epic can a short get. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that that somewhere was the bar. I mean, it's not like, oh, oh, how epic. First, I write the story. Mm -hmm. And then I don't want to have any barriers into executing the story. Interesting. So that's what's about it. So it didn't go like, oh, I want, I want, you know, I want it to be like that, or I want it to be like that. No, it starts with the story. What's the story like? What's the world like? And that, which is, which is part of the story. And then just moving towards making it real. And uh, that's what I did. So the, it's an organic process. How everything develops the, the again the challenge is all often in the execution because how do you how do you pull it off mm-hmm. so you need you need to establish the world but when you establish the world that means well suddenly you're not in a close up so it mean you know your image needs to be dressed whether it's you're using a, a matte painting whether you're using a set um, whether you're using visual effects and so I use the whole tool bag mm-hmm. to achieve that um, and with the, you know, and maintaining an, the artistic integrity so that the, the, the flow and the story, uh, are, are coherent and consistent. Yeah. And I so, thought it was really clever the way that you showed just kind of those, those little glimpses. There were these holographic projections that we see a few times throughout the film that showed, I will, I will say friend of the podcast, even though who knows if he has actually listened, but a good friend of Tripp's, uh, Doug Jones. <laughs> uh, so you see him, you know, in these little pop-ups, in these holographic, this holographic imagery. And it does, it gives you that little bit more, you know, peeling away those layers and adding more to the story. That was their purpose. And and then some, because they're, they're intertwined. Um, oh, maybe I don't want to say too much, mm-hmm. uh, they are definitely part of the immersion into the story. Right. Um, so that we, we do get layers, as you, you know, used the word a bit earlier. Um, it, it was all about creating layers and, and knowing that it's, you know, it's a different space-time, in a sense, within the context of the story. That in itself gives dimension mm-hmm. uh, to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and every one of those little elements took vast amount of, <laughs> of resources and efforts to achieve, even though in some cases we see them for, for a blip. Let's say you want to you film, 
you know, one, uh, you know, this is not spoiling anything, right? The cigarette, there's a cigarette, you know, there's advertisement. Mm-hmm. That has to be filmed. Then that has to be, uh, there's a whole VFX process that goes into it. So we're talking about, you know, hours, sometimes days of work. And then you see it on screen for like 12 frames. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> which is half a second. I just want to jump in with, with a couple different things going through my mind as you're mm-hmm. talking. But but uh, to give the audience a little bit of a sense, I mean, this is a, a dark and gritty world where humanity is just in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And there are these alien overlords. Uh, I mean, clearly that's stated. And, um, and they're up to no good, basically. Right. <laughs> and, but, but, you know, mankind is now kind of trapped in this dreadful struggle for survival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can imagine being in that kind of environment where you know there are basically powerful beings and you mm-hmm. have lost control. Yeah. It is a world yeah. of dread. Right. Yes. That, Absolutely. That, that, yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, the title of it is The Boogies. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, <laughs> you do not want to fuck with the boogies. Yeah. No. Or you're done. <laughs> it's just the well, general like sense. It's, uh, you know, we're not uh, the apex predator anymore. No, 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 definitely, and that that comes through. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned the the visual effects, which we would be doing a complete disservice uh, without talking about uh, the major visual effect. I would say in this film, which is an original creature design that that appears in this film, and I definitely would like to know from whose twisted mind that did that creature emerge <laughs> from. <laughs> Well, oh, do I stand charged uh, or do I stand guilty? Right. Um, I mean, it was exactly like it needed to be and mm. was, you know, uh, in my head and on paper. And uh, so the the creature designer, Jordy uh, Shell, is uh, is quite known in the creature designing world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's done quite a I mean, recognizable uh, creatures. And um, he, he's also, you know, he's got a very a big presence on social media. Uh, he's also on uh, on TV. Uh, part of his, it's Making Monsters, I believe. Is that? Is that yeah, that's show? right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but you know, he's done little movies like Avatar. You know, little things. <laughs> yeah, like Alien versus yeah. Predator. <laughs> you know, just yeah. just those small, just those movies. small indie movies. Right. right. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was doing. This project, I, I went to see him again, and so we, you know, he started sending stuff, and it was it, it always looks great, but it wasn't yet the story or mm-hmm. what was you know the picture of the, of the film. It was a back and forth, uh, and it, it didn't even take that long because once he oh, understood wow. where it was going, I mean, he, I mean, Jordy is a genius to be honest, and uh, so. Yeah, when you're when you're collaborating with a, a great artistic mind, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you, I, I I feel like you know, I, and I know I'm just repeating yeah. it, but you know, it's it's like he took Sanjay's input and original idea for everything. Yeah. But then you have to trust the artist mm-hmm. to 
you know, bring in that artistic mind and creativity. I really want to start like a totally false rumor about this film and say that Sanjay was having this nightmare and called up uh, George who was just like, this is the creature in my nightmare right now. Right. Well, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, there is purpose behind how something comes out as well. So mm -hmm. that's not. That's not entirely right, made right. up, Trip. You no, know? no, I know, I know. <laughs> well, when I when I originally read the yeah. script, I yeah. mean, it is a nightmarish sort of sure. overlord. This is no nothing that you would ever want to face no. in real life. No, and yeah, and you know when I you know when when I spoke to George that time, and when I was like, this is what you know, this is where we're going. There are key elements. You know, our key words, uh, you know, that are that are shared. And then that's the inspiration uh, for the creation. Mm -hmm. You know, power was one of them, you know, seduction, you know, is another. And um, and I think that's achieved. You know, yeah. I think uh, it's a it, the creature is alive. It, it is uh, it is. You don't even think of it as a you know a creature or, or uh, uh, you know, you think of it as alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think, and that is something that is whenever I've read stories or seen behind the scenes footage of some of these creature features, you know, when the first time the person in full suit, full makeup and everything comes on to set, there has to be that buy-in from the cast, the crew and everybody involved to recognize that as a creature, that is no longer the actor playing it. It has to be that immersive thing so one of my questions also is did people get to see it before it showed up on set or was there also some reveal to the actors um i mean it was protected because it was a highly intricate expensive <laughs> piece mm -hmm. um and uh, you know the moment it did come then everyone's eyes went to it and then you know you, you know everyone shares their their thoughts and uh no, it, it definitely, it, you know, exactly. You described a little bit how it happened, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't really revealed to the rest of the cast right. until it was really there Ready. on set. Yeah, on set, awesome. yeah. And, and um, I mean, I, I, I do... They bought into... Yeah. Oh, they did. They did. It, it was alive, even uh, just as a, you know, standing inert. Mm-hmm. So, no. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I just want to put a quick shout out to the creature performer in this. Yeah. He, he's Doug, Douglas Tate. Douglas Tate. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's done quite a few monsters. Uh, I know fairly recently he was like in Grimm and Sleepy Hollow and The Quest. Yes. But anyway, you can look him up yeah. and he's, he's fantastic. A nice thing about him is, well, in some ways, like, uh, like Doug Jones, mm -hmm. He's a super tall guy, yeah. right? Uh, but and he Doug, came he came recommended by Doug Jones. Oh, yes, wow. they have together. Yeah, that so. that is about the biggest stamp of approval you could ever ask for when it comes to a creature right. performer. No, it really yeah. is. I, and I think uh, you know part of what he told us about uh, Douglas Tate, which is absolutely true, is, is Douglas has a wider shoulder frame. He does. And so he could take on a, a, 
a, a bigger mass, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Okay. He was also pretty live, which was, you know, uh, sought, so he could do both, uh, which, you know, catch was key. Yeah. So, he, he, he was great on set, for sure. Very cool. I mean, I just, I think of that. And more importantly, he was great in his performance, too. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Set behavior is great. I was not, it's great. I didn't mean anything. It's great for the crew. Uh, it's great, but for you know, for the film at the end, you need the the person who can pull it off and and uh, go where it needs to go. And he, he gave that and then some. With a production like this, what was the most difficult part of it? Oh, that <laughs> that I don't even know. I'm just uh, you know. You could just. Pick out one or two big yeah. challenges. <laughs> no, <laughs> it had a lot it, of challenges. It had a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. but it, it's um, objectively, hard. I mean, there's a any film is a challenge. And of I'll actually, some of the words of uh, of uh, Brad Shield, the cinematographer, um, who's uh, you know, uh, he's done fantastic work. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, you know. I mean, if I see. We list out some of his um, second unit work. It's automatically recognizable because they're all the you know the big the big films like Spider-Man: Homecoming, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Avengers, and uh, his cinematographer work is also exceptionally beautiful. And 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 more and more he's uh, he he's building that 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 presence, the world presence. And I'm I'm paraphrasing some of the words uh, in in our in a recent exchange, and it's like in that any movie, any movie is exceptionally difficult to 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 ever put out. Mm-hmm. There's so many variables involved, and um, that you know it's a mini miracle that any movie gets made for sure. And one with visual effects mm. like this. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Any visual effects movie is twentyfold times more difficult. So I'd say it is the visual effects aspect that is definitely the biggest challenge: the volume, uh, complexity, and the um, believability. Because you can work hours and hours on a on a visual effect, and really, visual effect is just the term that we use for the tool of creating a world or creating art. Right. And so. Um, or artisanship in certain cases, but it's it just it just takes the time that it takes. And when you're fighting against time, you're fighting against entropy, hmm. which means that any given moment, the whole thing can collapse. Right. Uh, and until it's complete, you don't know. You don't know if it, <laughs> it'll be by the day or not. So that that was probably the the, the biggest uh, uh, challenge. But really, actually, uh, it, if really you want to go a little deeper, it's not even the visual effects, the challenge. It's time. Right. You know? it, it's, it's fighting against time. Yeah. Okay. And Tripp, you kinda, <laughs> uh, you're, you're nodding along to, to a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I know that, uh, that, that uh, VFX was a big struggle on this. And, uh, uh, I mean, we are very happy with uh, where they ended up, but uh, th- there was definitely some back and forth of hoping we could get certain artists mm-hmm. and, you know, just, uh, you know, 
sometimes they're available, sometimes they're not. Right. But ultimately, the team that that did the VFX was fantastic. Yeah, it was, and it was you know multiple teams, but I mean, there's definitely you know the few key uh, players that 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 pulled it off, and it, the long list. So, um, I do well, you know, invite everyone to look at the IMDb page so that mm-hmm. every those um, you know. Uh, artists and VFX supervisors get their due credit. So I, I'm just avoiding going through the list right now, not to offend those I would miss. Mm-hmm. Sure, enumeration. Sure. But one of the main but, teams was yeah. in in Montreal. Yeah, all all the VFX were from Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just all go through it. I guess <laughs> so, you know, you can mention there. a couple of no, leads. But, you you know, know. there's definitely I know. So in terms of you know concept design, I had great. You know, concept designers, and uh, so Minor Hansen was probably uh, you know one of key pieces, uh, a great artist, um, as well as in the earlier stage, less visual effects related, but more concept design. Um, Jose Holder, and uh, and then as VFX supervisors, I had I had a Mark Cote who um, who uh, owns and operates a fake studio, if like a digital studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does a lot of work with uh, Jean-Marc Vallée. So and he's currently working on, uh, he just got off of Big Little Lies, and that's an HBO series, and then uh, they're, they're starting a new one. Um, then I had um, Eddie, or Puyan Chan, Eddie Chan, who's exceptional, exceptional artist. Um, and, uh, you know, I relied on him, uh, I don't know how many times. He... he uh, he really, he saved my, uh, you know, AWS uh, more times than I can count. So that's a huge shout out to him. Um, and then uh, I had uh, Simon Beaupre. These are all French names. Eric mm-hmm. McGuire, uh, huge pieces of the puzzle. And uh, and then uh, you know, Jay Randall was also it's also a good friend who who um, who offered sound advice and was the also on set as the VFX supervisor. So at least there's a shout out to those. Yeah, the effects are you know they're they're so huge, but the the importance of any film. I mean, this is repeated, and hopefully it's is successful. Is that you don't want to be thinking of visual effects, just like you don't want to be thinking of a performance mm-hmm. if you're at a film. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so it's a it's in the invisibility that we seek uh, gratification in a sense if, of of the you know of good work. Sure. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, So then talk about where people can get the most up-to-date information uh, for this project, for this new film. So Facebook, Twitter. uh, At the moment, we we have a Facebook page that we started a couple weeks before uh, the world premiere. So uh, the most immediate place at the moment is simply uh, The Boogies. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can just do a quick uh, Facebook search. Facebook. What? Oh, wow. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook search, <laughs> and uh, that would be funny. That, we should start that, that. that. I was like, yeah, I think it, you yeah, just pioneered yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, let me. You know, you're lovely to speak to. I'm going to put you in my Facebook <laughs> hashtag. Don't call me. Right. I don't know. That's terrible. <laughs> but uh, any anyway. But yeah. Uh, so just uh, Facebook uh, the boogies. Okay. And uh, we are planning on starting uh, our own website yeah. uh, in, in yes. the future. So the name is reserved, but there's nothing quite on it right now. Okay. I think it's 
boogies.com. Yeah, you'll, you, there's nothing there, so uh, not right now. And probably we'll start a Twitter handle um, sooner than later. Uh, seeing that a uh, you know a few a few people came to see us and asked for it, mm-hmm. and, uh, because some people just you know that's the that's the social media that they they prefer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and basically, and and I know we we've discussed this just a little bit before, John, but uh, we're in the middle, of course, of uh, of uh, submitting and you know accepting invitations to different mm-hmm. festivals. And it will certainly be playing for yeah. a full year we do, we in do festivals, you know, uh, around the world. So if if you are a, a, a big, you know, genre fan of horror, sci-fi, and yeah. if, if you attend uh, and any yeah. it, festivals, you know, that are focused in on that, there's at least a relatively good chance we'll be there. Nice. Hopefully. And, um, and it's, uh, I mean, it's great to just have it accessible to everyone. Uh, but it the the film needs to go through its you know its proper course to, to hopefully you know flourish. Of course, yeah, for yeah. fans out there, I I don't know. I mean, you know, it's something we would love to make available immediately, especially yeah. for certain fandoms out there mm-hmm. like Doug fans, and yeah. you know, we actually have some other people involved that that have some of their own fans right. too. Uh, Ron Roger from like Stranger Things, and, right? You know, but He's great in it, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, there are people that follow uh, Douglas Tate for his monster work too. Uh, but as much as we would like to immediately make it available to everybody, the majority of huge festivals will not include your movie in their programming if just anybody can watch it anywhere. They want it to be yep. a special event, of course. At their every time and we will certainly make every effort that we can to be there in person mm-hmm. uh but uh if we aren't thank you for coming <laughs> but if we are thank you for coming too mm-hmm. the reception yesterday you know it was the like uh like i think trip mentioned or was mentioned was the world premiere and um it was such a the, the film was so well received um so many heartfelt you know, thanks or, you know, appreciation was shown to the film after the screening, you know, we were approached by. Uh, it was so by, sweet. Was we, sweet. We, we, yeah. we had some, uh, uh, I would say college age girls that came up. Uh, these girls that were approaching us were, were particularly, uh, very shy and, uh-huh. and it was tough, you know, for them to come up to but, us, but that, I, I, and they I, were crying. They were, <laughs> when oh, they wow. <laughs> fact that they went out of they they overcame their shyness yes. their tib- and their bashfulness they, they they overcame it that meant they really you know connected they needed to share their their, their love and that was so touching to me because because i knew you know how you know they had to overcome that that it would have required their their appreciation of the film to surpass the fear of 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 being in in that you know situation or you know overcoming their shyness so that was very touching and, and even the q a the was a i think she either a journalist or a reporter who was doing the q a she came after too and you know in the back room and she's like i don't know how you did this how did you pull this off <laughs> you know a short that doesn't look like a short yeah. Uh, uh, 
and I mean, she, she, she liked the film too, hopefully, but you know, the fact that it, that the effort to make, to reinvent the short in a sense, or at least to go where the short could always have gone mm-hmm. in any way, even though I had done a feature before. And part of this was precisely, you know, forget the format. It's about a story at the end of the day. Right. And sometimes we get just, you know, locked into, oh, it's a short or it's this. So then it, you know, I don't think, you know, it's never as strong as just when you can try to surpass that limit. Anyways. Excellent. Well, very cool. Uh, Any parting words in this exclusive interview with, with you two? I just want to share one brief thing uh, that I thought was hilarious, but, uh, and all, you know, I was absolutely genuine, but, um, in the parting words of the Q and a yesterday, uh, one of the things that I said was, you know, that, that I love Korea, (laughs) the the, the people have been so welcoming (laughs) and, uh, you know, we're so excited to be here at, at B fan. And just that, you know, I, I, I was so grateful to the audience for being there and sharing this with us. Uh, and then Sanjay kind of repeated a similar did, thing. But then what was amusing is one of the <laughs> Korean actors immediately in English when the microphone went to him, he was like, I love Korea. Yeah. You guys are amazing. <laughs> and, you know, it was funny. He his said delivery, it as a joke. His, yeah, his delivery, delivery was, was on point. On point. For very, sure. very cool. But anyway, in all honesty, yeah, I, I guess my my parting words is just that that we were so grateful to you know be here uh, in Korea for for this premiere. Uh, it, it it definitely was one of the biggest film festival experiences it's, it that I've ever had. Awesome. It, it, it's yeah. an honor to have something uh, that you've worked so hard on for it, so many years. It is. Uh, it be, is be shown in such an appreciative yeah. and big audience. And that that's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a thing for an independent filmmaker. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you're, you know, a big studio person and you've got the next Marvel movie coming out. Right. Or, or, you're not going to have huge, yeah. but yeah. anything. But um, and also just a parting word. Uh, I, I, I just want to thank everybody for listening to. Uh, I, I absolutely love and enjoy about to review. I, I, I love all the different topics and oh, I thank you and yeah, sorts sorts of things and and uh, thank you, John, for for interviewing us, Sanjay. If you love science fiction and we have you know nostalgia, so I guess that's my main enemy right now is uh, fighting against nostalgia and coming uh, driving forward with a new future right and a new future for for science fiction in large part and science you know science fiction stories yeah, yeah. or stories I, period right I just happen to write science fiction hopefully people can see uh the boogies at a film festival in the next uh year or so uh yeah so i'll make sure to put all of the links in the show notes to the facebook page and individually do you guys have twitter handles that people can follow you that you would want them to have that? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, a lot of people know me from uh, my my dabbling in steampunk. Uh, yeah, so dabbling is, is, is... Yeah, you can always <laughs> tweet me uh, at the League of Steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, my president, I'm a little, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm restrained in my social media presence, but maybe, maybe I'll look into it just to have uh, okay. a place... Um, thoughts can be shared maybe but 
Yeah. If if you really do want to send a comment though, yeah. or or contact yeah. uh, Sanjay, you can simply uh, simply message the Boogie's the Facebook now, right. and we will make sure. Yeah, I mean, we're happy to answer questions. Fantastic. So, so from around the world, uh, I have again been joined by Sanjay Sharma and Trip Hope. Thank you both for taking the time to do this. Uh, Sanjay, I hope you can find some coconut water uh, and that your day is not packed with more film stuff. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And okay. so Do you want to leave us off with some good uh, karaoke, Sanjay? No, no. Actually, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a wallflower when it comes uh, to, uh, to karaoke. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, wow. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you to both of those guys for taking the time. And when I say taking the time, I mean it took quite a bit of time for us to figure out uh, a 16-hour time difference from Seattle to Korea. So... Huge thank you uh, to them, not only for sending us a screening link to the boogies, but also finding time in their crazy schedule in Korea to sit down with me and, and talk for a bit. Yeah. You know, one other way of looking at a 16-hour time difference is an eight-hour time difference. So if you can't handle, you know, <laughs> two figures, just go with one figure. Huh. Wait, is that right? Yes, of course it's right. <laughs> it's 24 hours in a day. Come on. Because <laughs> it was 5 p.m. here. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh no! 11, 12, He's counting one. on his fingers. No, but that would only be one. But it was like nine a.m. there. There's, there's twenty-four hours in a day. If it's right. sixteen hours in one direction, it has to be eight hours in the other direction. Uh, well, it, sure. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> technology, <laughs> kids. <laughs> anyway, so about uh, this film that you just heard about. So this film is a short film, about twenty minutes, just under twenty minutes, uh, in the dark and gritty. Uh, sci-fi horror creature genre we follow the main character dawkins who is a former police officer turned pickpocket and his kind of day in the life of situation as he goes through and various things start happening to him and he is reacting to those and finding his path that may or may not lead to redemption hmm. yes so, Andy, what were your first thoughts when you watched this short film? Uh, my first thoughts um, include that, A, it's... I don't know if people understand how difficult it can be to create a significant narrative arc in the course of a, a, a short film. Now, mm -hmm. this was longer than some short films, True. clearly. It was about 20 minutes long, but, you know, uh, minus credits, probably, I think it was close to like 16 minutes long. Around, yeah, 16, 18, yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, so you have to be impressed that sort of like they, they can bang out an actual narrative arc, or an actual story, not just like this tiny little snippet, this little... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, snapshot of something. This was this was a, this was a story in twenty minutes. So I was, I was uh, that was when I first thought is they they nailed the fact that they they could get a story in in this short amount of time, beginning, mm -hmm. middle, end. Excellent. Um, also struck by the quality of the effects mm -hmm. in Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Um, they were top notch. 
top-notch uh, electronic CGI stuff. Um, very, very impressed. Um, I'm guessing you were pretty impressed by the creature. I absolutely was. So listeners to this podcast have heard me talk about uh, a TV show before called Face Off, which is on Sci-Fi Channel. On one of the past episodes, I actually had uh, Brett Patrick Jenkins on the show, who's one of the producers of Face Off. Face Off is a reality competition show having to do with special effects makeup. I love watching that show because they get, you know, three days, sometimes a little bit longer to create from clay to, you know, photo shoot, essentially a full creature. Mm. I love watching that show. This show or this short film, the creature design in it is done by Jordi Shell, who has worked for Avatar, Hellboy, Planet of the Apes, and he created an original creature for this film. And at first, because I knew that going into it, Trip and I had been talking about this and I was really excited to see this. And I was kind of waiting the whole time to, to see that, that mm -hmm. reveal. Mm -hmm. The reveal happens in the third act. And that again goes back to third what I said. 17 minutes. Which is impressive. <laughs> like to have a three act structure yeah. and that amount of time that actually makes sense and is coherent. Mm -hmm. So the reveal of that creature in the third act was awesome because at first it starts in this cloaked hooded figure once that gets taken off and you get get a chance to really see this creature in the light of day and i mean that both literally and uh figuratively figuratively because at first when you kind of see it, it is a little bit dark in this area then it goes outside and it is in the middle of the day that was awesome because then that that shows how much this whole creative team trusted that designer because unlike other projects, be it a short film or a feature length film, if a lot of it is in the dark and shot at night, you can get away with a lot of stuff and some of it can just kind of squeak past. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, sort of, yes, we love the creature movies from the 1950s and the mm -hmm. 1960s, but it's the creatures when you look <laughs> back at them just look so crappy but one one i mean sort of so in, in just in terms of the quality mm -hmm. of of this this uh, this creature um yeah like you said i mean impeccable you know sort of like the the, the life in the eyes mm -hmm. and things like that was great um one thing i would say is it uh, uh, one, <laughs> one of my small niggling little criticisms about it was it it looked like an octopus or a squid. It had some, like that. it definitely squid -like. had some, some cephalopod features. Very cephalopodic. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I like I that cephalopod. That's a real word, but I think, um, so. I, think so. mm, I disagree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you would think one of us is a world quizzing champion. Uh, <clears throat> not going to say which one, but one of us. It's not John. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, very cephalopodic. Uh, the way that the eyes uh, kind of had these weird slits mm -hmm. that went backwards. Like that type, it was just kind of unnerving. But it was such a dramatic choice. So, yeah, definitely huge hats off to the, the creature effects. Uh, one of the other things that I really liked, especially in this short time period, is the depth to the world. I say mm -hmm. that because this was probably only about two different shooting locations. I know they shot some stuff down in L.A., where Trip is from, and some stuff up in Canada. I mean, it looked pretty seamless. And it was a kind of a minimalistic set design, but there were things going on in the background that were always intriguing. 
there was Doug Jones, who, huge fan of Doug Jones. There are two people who they need to create a category for an Oscar, even if only these two guys win it. Doug Jones, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis, I was going to say the other one. I mean, it just create a category, Academy. Like, give them something. They deserve it. Do not wait until one of them <laughs> dies like 50 years from now. I'll be like, hey, he did some stuff. Yeah, anyway. So Doug Jones is in there. His character is, I think, titled The Sycophant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he is kind of this religious leader or religious, maybe zealot in a way. He is talking about, uh, what are they called? The benefactors. Mm-hmm. These alien overlords in this little hologram projection that pops up a couple different times. Things like that, to me, it makes the world seem fleshed out. Like It makes it feel not just this isolated uh, environment, but there's more to it. He was definitely uh, part of the top talent of uh, this uh, this short film. For definitely. sure. Yeah. And I know that Tripp and Doug have worked together multitude of times. So I just, I really liked that. There's also a newscaster that popped up. There's like a, I forget the character's name, but another character, like this little, like almost TV serial would pop up, like this commercial mm-hmm. and this holographic display. Right. Those are the types of things that keep you engaged in such a short period of time. And it just, it, this is the type of short film that for me, it begs to see more. If this were a web series, I would watch the hell out of it. And I know that it would take a lot of work to make this into a web series with all the different things that they would have to do. But all too often, and Andy and I have watched probably hundreds of short films. Several, yes. Several. Um, I think actually I'm getting close to 100, if not more, with all the festivals I have been doing. Some of them, I'm totally okay with that beginning, middle, end. This one had a beginning, middle, end, and I want more. I would love to spend more time in this world. Not literally, though. No, no. This this world seems horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you are a child. Yeah. That, that yeah, it does not seem like a good world. Yeah. Uh, so, again, the film is The Boogies. And it will be hitting the wider festival circuit soon. Uh, Not quite sure of some other dates, but as soon as I know them, I will let you guys know. But as of right now, it had its world premiere uh, in Korea at the film festival. So, yeah, big shout out to that whole creative team behind them. Sanjay Sharma, Trip Hope, uh, Jordi Shell, Brad Shield, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Doug Jones, of course. Andrew Troy, who played the main character. Uh, Dawkins, really impressed. I, I liked him a lot. So, big shout out to them. I will put all of their social media handles in the show notes below so you can follow them and figure out when this is coming to a city near you. Now that we got past that short film, there's a little film festival uh, here minor, in Seattle. Minor film festival in Seattle. You know, a, a small one. It is. It was not, surely the largest and most highly attended film festival in the United States. It most certainly was. It was it? Oh, <laughs> most it most certainly was. It's gigantic. It's huge. It's, yeah. it's, it's a completely overwhelming. And I'm just so <laughs> uh, ashamed at the small number, small percentage of films I was able to see uh, this year. I mean, uh, was it how, how, how many how many features do they sh- they have? So 200, 400, we, I, I, yeah. uh, we're talking, of course, about the Seattle International Film Festival 2017. Uh, yeah, they had... A ton, a total of 400 films. Yeah, 400. Yeah. Uh, of wow. which 
140 were short films, a bunch of world premieres, a bunch of U.S. premieres from 80 different countries over 25 days and over 155,000 attendees. Uh, it's it, astounding, it, isn't it? It, it? Every year. Film is not dead. Uh, oh, Film very, is much, not very dead. much not. But every year this happens where we get an email weeks before the festival announcing like, oh, tickets are going on sale. Then they do the the press event, which I was able to go to this year, and they announce it. The press screenings start two weeks before the festival. It still is not enough time. It, it's still like I missed so much stuff this year. And it just, yeah, it is massive. <laughs> Pretty much anywhere in Seattle that has a movie screen is part of SIF. Uh, this year they expanded out into Shoreline. They had stuff in Renton. I mean, it was all over Seattle. Mm-hmm. So uh, over the past few episodes, we definitely talked about a couple different movies, some of which is going to be uh, a rehash of those. But Andy, how about you start us off with one of the ones that, that you saw? Because you have some specific rules I do. when it comes to this film <laughs> festival in particular. So tell the people what yeah, that is. Yeah, my specific rules, as, as best as I can keep to them, is that I want to avoid any uh, films which are in the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I try to avoid American, US, Australian movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I also want to try and avoid movies which I, which I know are going to get a release. Now, mm-hmm. I, we can't be sure the ones that are going to get released at a much later date and then the uh, mm-hmm. release isn't announced or anything. But if I, if I know a release date, I'm not going to watch it. Because, then, I mean, sort of, it's a, it's a film festival, uh, which, as you say, is bringing films from so many different countries, mm-hmm. and there's going to be, you know, no opportunity to see most of these films. Ever again. So, yeah, ever again. So <laughs> mm-hmm. why see the ones which, you you know, are they going to come back? If it's got a star in it, it's going to come at some point yeah. in time. But, for instance, you know, on an earlier episode when we talked about Bad Black, Mm-hmm. I am certain that that he's not gonna the the director of that is not gonna get a you know a picture in Hollywood and be able to make movies over here. So th- this might have been my only opportunity to see something by that director, mm-hmm. even from that country. True. So very much know. so. Okay. So, so with that criteria, mm-hmm. the first movie on your list that you wanted to talk about is um a an Italian film. Okay. Named. Uh, well, in English, its name is ears, and Italian ears, ears okay. yes, as in the things on the side of your head. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and in Italian, I'm going to say is orecchia, and I think it's that's pretty close to how it's supposed to be pronounced because they did orecchia. actually. I don't think it is orecchia. I think it's <laughs> <No>. orecchia. <laughs> I think the two C's, two C double an, consonant in Italian usually means pronounced. It's like spaghetti, like it should be very pronounced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chewing that. <laughs> yeah. So, Orecchia. <laughs> um, and it was directed by Alessandro Aronadio, who, to the best of my knowledge, uh, has not done anything that uh, your typical American will have seen. Okay. Um, star- but your non-typical American Oh, might your have atypical <laughs> American would have seen tons of his stuff. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah. Scads. <laughs> and uh, starred Daniele Parisi, who also... <laughs> I don't think anybody, uh, almost anybody in America will have seen anything from. Um, both have done a bit of work. So, 
you know, if you if you're a huge fan of uh, import Italian films, maybe you've seen this stuff. Okay. Anyway, um, it is. Hmm, would you call it an off the wall comedy? Sure. Let's say <laughs> let's say an off the wall uh, comedy. You Basically, sound, you sound very confident. I, <laughs> yes. Yes, I am confident in that in that decision. Anyway, the the basic synopsis is is this guy uh, wakes up with uh, a ringing in his ears. There's, mm. He cannot explain why he has this ringing in his ears. He has a ringing in his ears, and a note on the refrigerator left by presumably his girlfriend, s- telling him that uh, someone called to tell him that his friend Luigi, I believe, had died. Hmm. So this is the setup, and he and and here's the problem with that is that he can't think of a friend named Luigi. Interesting. So that is the setup for or his brother Mario. Sorry, it's terrible. Oh, <laughs> to all of my Italian American listeners, uh, sorry, I could not please. pass up that joke. Come on, <laughs> whatever. Let me let me let me carry on. Right. <laughs> um, so that is a setup for, of course, a really troublesome day. For this this hmm. uh, gentleman, a day of incredible frustration, uh, which you know, and the troubles get piled one by one by one. So a gigantic day of frustration, both in seeking medical help and confusion over the identity of this deceased friend. Um, it was, and here's an interesting thing about the movie, that technically speaking that I didn't notice. I honestly, I didn't notice. And, okay. and when I when I realized at the end what had happened, it it kicked me. And I, 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 ooh, I'm, I, I don't know if I should. No, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, because nobody's, nobody's ever going to get to see this movie. <laughs> wow. But, okay. but, you know, it starts, uh, okay, aspect ratio on, on a movie is the size of the, the height of the movie as, you know, compared to the width of the movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. the width of the movie as compared to the height of the movie. That's the way it goes. Right. So it, this movie is, uh, was shot one to one. So basically when it starts on, mm. the, on the screen in front of you, it's a square. Right. And you think... That's an interesting choice. You know, we yeah. have these wonderful movie theaters in America with incredibly wide screens, and and we appreciate the movies that that are shot on them mm-hmm. in such a, a wide aspect ratio. Maybe in Italy they don't shoot in that format. <laughs> right. I know they do because I've seen Italian movies which are shot in a in that more rectangular format. Mm-hmm. So I, I I didn't think much about it for a bit, and then at the end of the movie. I realized, hang on a second, that that looks like a normal rectangular aspect ratio. So over the course of the 90 minutes of this movie, mm-hmm. it had transformed from a square screen to a, a typical 1.85 to 1 really? ratio. And I hadn't noticed it as it was happening. Hmm. It was like... I, I don't know when it... I mean, I'm assuming it happened slowly over time... Mm-hmm. But it could have jumped, and, I, and but if if it did, that would feel, I'd feel even worse about that that I didn't notice this jump <laughs> right. from, in aspect ratio. So that was really interesting. Um, I would definitely say that uh, at ninety minutes, uh, this this story did not overweigh, overweigh, overstay <laughs> its welcome. Didn't mm-hmm. overweigh its stelcom. That's no, there's no such <laughs> oh, word as stelcom. Nope. There's a town in in Washington State called Steelacum, not stelcom. Anyway, that's. <laughs> I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, World quizzing champion, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but here's the thing. Um, 
you know, sort of like this, this film is obviously based off a fairly um, surreal concept, let's mm-hmm. say, you know. Um, but but things in it just the, some of the best surreal stuff, you know, sort of, you know, sort of like is normal, normal, normal. And then really that's kind of weird. And there was a couple of things in this movie which uh, I just didn't think quite captured the 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 um, the spirit in mm. in the right kind of way. I mean, sort of surrealism can, you know, it can be too much sometimes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, remember yeah. that uh that film festival we went to which had some of the most surreal short films mm-hmm. uh the black box one mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah some of that was unintentional mm-hmm. um, <laughs> unintentional surrealism that's also often not good yeah. so um in terms of reviewing this I, I again i wanted to really really like this and find it super funny and it definitely had some amusing moments and the general theme, it was pretty good, but it, it, it just kind of like the, the guy, I think the director was maybe trying too hard to make it a, a little bit too zany mm. through, you know. Uh, so um, in John, do do we have, am I scoring this? Uh, yes. Okay, so in, in the, John's crazy scoring my, scheme, which my, is good, <laughs> bad and ugly and makes no sense. Do yes. explain. Go ahead, John. So the good, bad and ugly rating system, a good film is something that, of course, you enjoyed. A bad film you did not really hate, but it was not did not really blow you away. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Doctor Andy, your first <clears> film, <throat> good, bad, or ugly? Yeah, I've I, you know over over the last few times I've been here, I've done a lot of goods, mm-hmm. and <laughs> wh- while I don't necessarily think this entirely deserves a bad, I'm going to give it a bad just because. I'm not sure I could really recommend people to go and see this movie. Okay. And I'm I'm sad about that because I, I I wish I could really tip it over into the good. It's it's it is watchable, but I, I <laughs> wow. No, put no, that, it's put more that on than it's more, no, no, no. It's more than watchable. Like I said, it, it has some funny moments, it doesn't overstay its welcome. The concept is is interesting. Um but but recommend it I'd feel bad about telling someone wow. oh, you should go and see that. Okay. Okay. Because of, would you say mainly because of the unintentional or the intentional surrealism? Because again, that is one of those art forms where you can very, very easily go over the top. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't, I mean, you have to remember, I mean, maybe, well, you don't have to remember because I didn't tell you, but it's not <laughs> like this is set in an alternate universe. This is set mm. in, I mean, it seems to be set in the real world. It's just, you know, some bizarre things happen. I mean, it, it, things that could happen, you know, okay. there was there was nothing like, you know, you know, suddenly a, 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 a pink elephant comes swimming through smoking a joint or something. It's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing surreal in that sense. Fair it's enough. just bizarre, bizarre happenings in a real world, which, you know, what only, could only happen in, you know, the most extremely unlikely situations. Okay. But then there's some things which, were thrown in which made absolutely no sense in a real world. I mean, I don't want to go into detail about it, but you know, some of the medical attention he gets makes doesn't mm. doesn't doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. Um, so that's why. Gotcha. So that is the Italian film Ears. All right. And what what is it in Italian, John? Uh it is 
I left a pause there so I could put in exactly what it sounds like, <laughs> which I definitely am not going to do. Uh, listeners, just rewind. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. So the first one that I'm going to talk about uh, is one that I talked about on uh, an episode a few weeks ago, and it's called the Paris Opera. And this totally fits all three of your criteria, Dr. Mm, Andy. Intriguing. So parts of this were in English, but there were also French, German, Russian. So it takes place, it takes one year of the Paris Opera and everything that transpires within the Paris Opera during the staging, the behind the scenes to performance, even going so much into like the budget type meetings. Uh, and this is right around the time in Paris. This is shot around 2015. There were a lot of strikes around 2015, labor union strikes. So it talks about that. And they were like, are we going to have an orchestra mm. <laughs> during this production? So I found this documentary fascinating because it just, it resonated with me. I have spent a lot of my personal life and a lot of my professional life in the performing arts. And so it just, it worked on so many different levels. There were a couple of things, the more I thought about it, that I kind of did not like. Some of the editing in this did not make sense. In, in what way? When you're watching something that you know going into it is going to take place over one year of a performance uh, company. Part of me <laughs> wants that to be a linear trajectory, mm -hmm. And it kind of starts off that way. The, the person who we follow... Uh, Mikhail Tamashenko, uh, we watch and experience this film, a lot of it through his eyes. He gets accepted into the Paris Opera on a two-year internship, and he is just kind of learning about it, working with the principals, working with the stand-ins. His wide-eyed innocence was, to me, one of the best parts of the film. But it kind of jumps around with his story, all while mixing in, these different elements. You have the opera company. You have the ballet company. You have the orchestra. You have the board of directors. You have the strikes. There are a lot of things going on. I feel like they could have been woven together a well, little bit And tighter. were they just putting too much in? They wanted to be too comprehensive? I think so. And to its credit, the Paris Opera is one of the most well-known opera companies in the world. So to someone like myself and other people who really want to dive into it, it was cool to see all of those aspects, but I feel like it could have been done in in a slightly different way. Maybe do a two-part feature film and do one that focuses just on the performing aspects of it. One focus on the behind the scenes, the boardroom stuff, like the actual like bones. Do you know how long uh, it, it turned out to be the final product? The final, I think it was just under two hours. Okay, so it wasn't excessive. Oh, no, no. It was not excessive. It just, for that relatively short period of time, it felt like there were a lot of storylines <clears> put in. Right, right. Um, but I loved this film. Like, it was it was beautifully shot. And I talked about this on my review of it. But it had the benefit of already taking place in gorgeous scenery. So when you're shooting something on stage, and it already has costumes, and it already has lighting... When they're just talking to somebody and interviewing them and the background is just vibrant, that is something that a lot of documentaries 
do not have that benefit of already having established just that, that depth. So that was really cool. They talk about the the musical commitment that everybody has to have in an organization like this, from the singers to the dancers to the orchestra to everybody on the board, you have to be committed or it just does not work. And so there was some tension in the behind-the-scenes stuff, which you have worked on films before. Mm-hmm. That happens. You get a bunch of creative individuals together, and you say, hey, guys, I need to line up like this. And in one scene, the choral director is doing that. He was like, all right, guys, just line up like this, blah, blah. It took one member of the chorus to be like, yeah, we talked about it, and we actually thought we were going to do it this way. And he was like, no, you do it this way. (laughs) And then you start questioning him, and he's just like, guys, like, come on. So... It was really cool. Uh, one thing I also wish they had focused more on are the finished pieces. Mm-hmm. So when a big production was being shown, they did a clever thing, and it would show the chairman of the board and the director of the Paris Opera watching it kind of on his CCTV kind of monitor where he can see everything. That was clever, but the the passionate arts lover in me, <laughs> I just wanted to see the production. Well, especially if you're watching it on a big screen as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, overall, this documentary was See it was live, gorgeous. John. That's the thing. That's what yeah. they're telling you. Just go and see it live. Sure. Let me just fly over to Paris. Right. Let me just call NetJets and uh, have them stop by. Uh, so that was the Paris Opera uh, from Paris mm. uh, in a multitude of languages. Mm. And as far as I know, it has not gotten a wide release, at least not domestically. <laughs> so... Yeah, that one fit all of your all of your things. So thank take, you. Take that. Thank you. Uh, next on your list. Okay, uh, so the other one I want to uh, just talk about today is one that I I, I want to say that I said I was going to see when we did our preamble to Sif, mm-hmm. and it is a Norwegian film called King's Choice. Okay. And I forgot to write down what the uh, title of the movie was in Ooh. Norwegian. Maybe John will find it for me. Uh, it was directed by Eric Popper. Um, again, not a director, I think, is known for doing any movies that have come over to the US. Okay. But it does star uh, a Danish actor who has been seen in uh, several uh, movies, um, Jesper Christensen. Uh, who was um, who was he? he was Mr. White in the James Bond Spectre movie? Oh, really? Um, he was also in a couple of Last von Trier movies uh, from one of my one of my uh, probably my favorite uh, von Trier movie, uh, Melancholia from uh, 2011. I love that movie, John. Mm. I love that movie. That movie was. Yeah. No, don't don't stop. <laughs> and uh, he was also in uh, Nymphomaniac um, Volume One. Uh, from 2013. Okay. Um, so Lars von loves working with a lot of the same people. <laughs> absolutely, you can you can trust them. You can rely. You know yeah. how to work with them. And I found the original title. It is right there under the King's Choice. Go ahead. Uh, Kongens Night. <laughs> what? John, uh, John forgets that. No, I know. I <laughs> know quite a bit of. Danish, which is not that far away from Norwegian. You lived there for a while, whatever. Okay. Anyway, um, so actually, uh, Jesper Christensen, uh, Danish actor, is is kind of like one of my uh, favorite Scandinavian actors. Hmm. Um, 
okay, several leagues behind Mads Mikkelsen. Okay, um, but... I was going to say, you have Mikkelsen, you have the Skarsgårds, like... Yeah, no, but I mean, sort of in terms of... Because he's not that well-known okay. in America, but he is he's a, a quality actor. He does some very good stuff. Anyway, this was a, a historical drama, um, uh, you know, ripped from the headlines of 1940. 1940. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's a historical drama uh, surrounding the beginning of uh, the little problem that Norway had with uh, Nazi Germany. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> putting it putting it mildly, um, and it, while it does focus on some of the you know the really dramatic stuff of the beginnings of the German invasion, uh, as the title suggests, the focus is really on um, sort of like some of the the the, the the characters you know in you know not in the government per se mm-hmm. because the you know it's 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 a um a constitutional uh, monarchy so you know, much like in britain the 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 king is the figurehead of the country but mm-hmm. really the government are the people who i mean sort of like the parliament are the people the prime minister the people mm-hmm. who make the decisions about stuff um so there's it's it's really a story of um, of hesitancy and restraint and uh, the struggle of this this monarch uh, between accepting the idea of uh, inevitable fate at no cost. You know, mm. everybody knows that the Norwegians are not going to withstand the, the, the Wehrmacht in invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, sacrifice, you know, a little bit of you, but more of your people. I mean, mm-hmm. really, you're yeah. not the one who's going to be slaughtered. Sacrifice of a lot of one's people for the just cause of resistance. Hmm. Um, and, you know, in many situations, many films, certainly Hollywood films, you've got, you know, people, you know, sort of like the people in power immediately uh, resistant and there's great fortitude and, and things like that. But here... It, it was really important to witness the indecision um, amongst a lot of the, 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 the crowd surrounding the king and of the king himself and of the government. And, you know, various mm. members of the government just about ready to capitulate at the at the the first sign of, uh, I think it was, I don't know if he was the ambassador, but a diplomat from, from Nazi Germany. The first time they suggest, hey, why don't you just like... Um, Give us everything. <laughs> you, you know, this make this a friendly, supportive, uh, you know, uh, invasion to stop the British from invading kind mm. of thing. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it, it's, it was interesting. It was really interesting to watch the transformation of some of the characters from a particular position to another. Um, and then there was actually, I mean, sort of, again, um, the Scandinavians don't tend to have a ton of money to make their movies. So you, you don't expect fantastic, uh, pitched battles with mm-hmm. casts of thousands and, but a know, lot of like, a lot of nice, from my limited exposure, I mean, you have a much wider breadth of knowledge with that type of film, but a lot of set pieces from mm-hmm. what I have remembered from Scandinavian films. Well, they they, they, they do what they can with uh, some um, usually a pretty amazing cinematography uh, mm-hmm. using some really interesting lighting choices a lot of the time. But also, I mean, sort of there's a scene um, which I thought was was a great, fantastic battle scene where a uh, a German warship is uh, approaching this uh, island fort, 
and you know the, the tension of mm-hmm. the 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 soldiers you know the poor norwegian soldiers <laughs> thinking uh what do we do here mm-hmm. and then you know the 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 general or the, i think colonel making the decision that they have to open fire and you know i mean it's it's just 5 6 minutes of this movie but it is done incredibly well i was really impressed mm. by this sort of like this cannonade onto the ship and then the ship firing back and how you know you could really feel so scared about you know what it was like to be right in the middle of that i mean it was yeah uh, really quality interesting. work interesting okay um so yes um i'm definitely giving that um i mean because it, it, it just covered so many different things there, there you you had a bit of action you had plenty of drama um and and and, and plenty of history and education for folks as well i mean i'm uh I mean, I knew, I knew some of this stuff, but one of the things that I noticed, you know, speaking Danish, mm-hmm. was I noticed that <laughs> the king, brag. the king, <laughs> the king, King Hakon, uh, played by Jesper Christensen, was speaking in Danish throughout the entire movie. Um, and of uh, course, he's did... the king of Norway, but okay. but it's probably actually true to life because the king of Norway was uh, originally a prince of Denmark. So it's entirely likely that when he was installed as the king of Norway, mm-hmm. that he probably didn't feel comfortable speaking Norwegian his entire life and did speak mm. in, in Danish. But the, the languages are so are close enough so that everybody Most people, could understand each gotcha. other. Yeah. Interesting. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes, um, I'm giving it a good. Nice. I give it a yeb hepper. Yeb hepper. One of that is an inside that joke. That means nothing to anybody, does <laughs> <No>. it? <laughs> anyway, uh, cool. That definitely it sounds interesting. From what I saw of the poster of it, it looks pretty epic and definitely a, a Scandinavian epic. All right, there. Put that on a poster. Yeah, I like it. Uh, the next one of mine. Is another documentary. You can sense a theme. I, I like documentaries mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, this one I was talked about a few episodes ago, uh, and it is Finding Kukan. Now, Andy, if I were to ask you, what was the first Oscar-winning or what was the first documentary that won an Oscar? What would it be? Um, you know, I really want to say Finding Kukan, but I don't think it was, <laughs> was it? In fact, it was. Well, yes and no. So it actually, uh, it was the first Academy Award winner for documentary, but it did not get a statue. It got kind of like a certificate. The crazy part about this whole documentary and what I found so fascinating about it, nobody really knows about this movie, Mm. this kind of mythical movie that the Academy (laughs) honored in, I think it was 1940 when it won the award and nobody talks about it. It never gets brought up. You never see clips of it. Whenever Andy and I watch the Academy every year, the Oscars, never in there. So this documentary uh, directed and shot and produced by Robin Lung is all about the mystery behind it and trying to find a full copy of this film, which as of right now, they still are trying to piece together. Hmm. They only had a couple real copies. And I say R-E-E-O. Like 35 millimeter real or eight millimeter, maybe real copies. And they found one of them and it had basically what happens to a lot of old film 
it kind of gets vinegared and it just becomes toxic and literally starts melting and falling apart. So I found this documentary incredible. They talked about the woman behind it who actually was in the movie and whether or not she was actually there in uh, China when all this was going on because this documentary was about what was happening in China during the war in 1940, 1941 mm. that again, a lot of Americans still do not know about, let alone a documentary coming out around that time. Nobody. Yeah. It was just, it was kind of crazy. So it went down the route of the historical documentary, which I love. It went down kind of this genealogical path, which I love also. And it was just, it was fascinating. And I really enjoyed the different ways that it approached the same subject for this documentary. So, and she, unfortunately, Lingling I, or Gladys, uh, she went by, passed away a few years ago. So they only have really one taped interview, video interview with her. And she was just this firecracker that you could tell has been that way mm. for a long time. So that was really cool. That was another one that it might be hitting some more festivals over the next few months. It would be great if something like Amazon Prime, you know, streaming services picked this up. I doubt this would get onto Netflix, uh, even though Netflix is gobbling up a bunch of original projects. Um, I feel like this, and this is not a knock on it necessarily. I feel like this type of documentary. Don't knock them. No. Because they like... can knock you back, John. <laughs> I feel like this documentary <laughs> will play really well at libraries. So mm -hmm. at the downtown Seattle library, we have this amazing, amazing library in downtown Seattle. They do screenings there of documentaries. They do talks. They bring in lecturers. That is where I think this film will truly find its audience. So that's not a bad thing. Uh, I have gone to some of those at the library. Uh, they have some really fascinating stuff that comes through. And unfortunately, even though the subject matter is something that a lot of people should know about, yeah, it just it might not get to that next level of distribution ship. Oh my. I should have just stopped with yeah, the distribution, yeah, right? Stop. I was going to cut there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really liked finding. Sounds great. Sounds great. Uh, and the last one that, that I want to talk about, because Andy only had two. And Sorry. <laughs> just, again, <laughs> this festival is gigantic. I even tried harder to, you know, go see more but it just this also sif kicks off right when the summer movie season also is kicking off so there were some huge movies you that love your out. marvel so you don't want to miss out on anything i really do mm. um but the last movie that i want to talk about that we talked about before in an episode with dr andy and this guy named steve it was mentioned before but the film was bad black uh <laughs> by uh Mbwana igg this film, <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to us talk about it, it was just a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. You will never see a film like this. It is, it is so different, uh, but the pure passion of filmmaking that everybody in this production has was my favorite part about it. Yeah, it yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you could you could definitely say it was quite joyful. <laughs> Oh yeah, even <laughs> even when people are getting gunned down mm -hmm. multiple times, 
Because seriously, I'm pretty sure we saw the same guy die four times. At least, yeah. Uh, but that again, it just goes towards that excitement and passion for filmmaking. Uh, the film was out of Uganda. Uh, again, I wish it could get picked up by one of these streaming services. But I think this film and other films from uh, Walk Hollywood, I think are going to find their big track when they start releasing these themselves online. Because that way, they will not have to rely on people just hitting it at a festival. I think if they were to put this entire thing on YouTube or put it on their website with like a private link, pay $2 or $5, and you get to watch it, I think so many people, just for the sheer lunacy of seeing a movie like this. I think it's the kind of thing that sort of um, has intense novelty, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the first time you see a movie like this it's it's it seems like there should be a a channel which picks one example of a crazy genre film from Mm -hmm. around the world just as an example to say this is what folks in that country often are making or watching absolutely um i don't know that we'd necessarily want an entire channel of wakaliwood movies frankly i <laughs> I'm gonna if you say yes, I'm gonna put you in a room for 24 hours right. watching only Wakaliwood movies. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so you yeah. don't want to do that. It, you don't want to do that. I would. I would think I would enjoy it for the first like four, and then I would go insane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it would. It would be quite the adventure. So, but yeah, I just all of us had a blast watching the movie because it was just unlike, like I said, unlike anything else you have ever seen or will ever see. It does take a little bit of getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they already are working on a bunch more. <laughs> that was weird. I tried to swallow a burp and it did not work out. So they are continuing to make films all the time. This will like they will not stop. And I will always That's res- a threat. I, <laughs> I will always respect the tenacity to keep creating and keep doing something that, that you love to do. So I I totally applaud uh Bad Black. So I think that kinda that kinda wraps it up. We will keep this one short and sweet because sorry everybody that this sif wrap-up came about three weeks after sif ended <laughs> it's okay because it's only about 10 months till the next sif seriously and they already like yeah we already started seeing some stuff that is getting picked up by sif or that premiered at sif that is now getting picked up by major studios so this train just keeps rolling keeps going uh one of the people that i have thanked on Every episode pretty much having to do with Sif since I started covering it is Sophia Perez. She has just always been a huge help. She's such an advocate for film and an advocate for creators. She is the one that has helped me land some of the interviews that you have heard on episodes before. She is incredible. So huge shout out to her. I I love working with her. She is just a great person and a great uh, just benefactor to the arts. Uh, And also Allied Integrated Media and their whole staff there who set up interviews for Step. Uh, 
which is another movie that I really want to talk about. That I still don't talk about it. That I still do not think I can talk about. Don't talk about it. But all I will say with Step, it is getting released, like wide released, uh, August 7th, I believe. So coming up really soon, I will put a link on my Twitter. Go buy tickets for it. It is one of the most empowering films you will see this year. That is all I think I can say about it because I still think I am under an embargo. <laughs> but we, we will see. Uh, and again, so from the top of the episode, thank you again for the guys from The Boogies, Trip Hope, Sanjay for making time to be on the episode and talk about their incredible short film. Andy and I were super impressed with just the level of depth that they were able to achieve, not just with the characters, but with the original makeup effects and the creature design. Me personally, give me more. Like, I, if, if those guys end up making a series, I would be very, very happy. And if this gets to a town near you, definitely go see it. And then Andy talked about, uh, what was your first film? Ears. Ear. <laughs> Orecchia. Sure. Ears from Italia. Uh, and <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah, I will put that in the show notes. I will put a link to all of these. So I talked about Finding Kukan and Paris Opera. Andy also talked about The King's Choice or Konanai. I think my accent was better. I think I, I nailed really it. I really don't think it was. <laughs> Sorry to all of our Norwegian or Danish <laughs> listeners. But they should be used to it by now. I think every Danish or Norwegian film or are, are, are we in double figures in Scandinavia? A good question. I've not checked recently. Have you check that. I should check the yeah, Tell us next week. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, speaking of next week, so on the next episode, uh, hopefully Dr. Andy will be returning because this week is chock full of some screenings, a movie that Andy, rarely does Andy uh, get excited about going to these advanced screenings, but there's one coming up this week that actually by the time this airs, we have already seen uh, Dunkirk. By I Nolan. love a bit of his. I love a bit of history. I love World War Two, and I'm really quite fond of Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Put all those three together. Excellent. There you go. And again, it is part of history that Americans generally do not know about. When Andy and I first saw a trailer for this months ago, I was like, "Huh, this kind of this fictional thing." He was like, "Hmm." Oh, um, <laughs> And then he was, I was like, wait, is Dunkirk in England? And it just, it kept getting worse. Yeah. So I, I will say I'm not super looking forward to it only because I've talked about it before. I'm not a huge fan of modern, like 20th century war movies. A little too real, a little too soon. You prefer 19th century war movies? I do actually, oh. because it feels a lot more removed. Okay. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan... I'm on board with everything. It's a new century, John. Get used to it. Yeah. Uh, and then also Girls Trip, which Dr. Andy is not going I'm to. I'm not going to see that one. And then hopefully he will be joining me for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Featuring one of my least favorite directors, Luke Besson. Oh, one of my favorite directors. Uh, or rather, mm, maybe we'll save it for that episode. <laughs> he, one, of, one of the directors that I love one of his well, things. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out. So that will be on next week's episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, tell a friend. That is the biggest thing to me. 
if you go on iTunes and subscribe and leave a five-star review or Stitcher and leave a review, that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. But what I really enjoy is seeing the interactions on Twitter when somebody will tag me or on Facebook and be like, hey, check out this great you know, episode. These guys are funny. They enjoy film. That is what I love. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, what, listen to your listen to your pets. Listen to it with your pets. <laughs> if they have iPhones, have them subscribe also. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Uh, I'm losing it. Uh, it is real late at night, kind of. Uh, anyway, so for this episode, uh, actually for this show, man, I'm all over the place. Listen to it on Stitcher, iTunes, Blueberry. Subscribe on all of those. You can find it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. So for this episode, I have been that guy named John. And I have been Dr. Andy. And we will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media.